guys, this is Kim Lapree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Be sure to check out all of the other amazing podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Joe Erpelding, the principal of the Design 39 campus, one of the nation's most innovative schools. The Design 39 campus opened in 2014 and serves more than 1,400 students as a K-8 public school with an emphasis on design thinking, collaboration, and personalized learning as one of the 39 schools in the Poway United School District near San Diego, California. At the Design 39 campus, learning experiences are designed with the individual learner in mind. In fact, teachers, known as LEDs, learning experience designers, create a collaborative culture to nurture creative confidence, practice design thinking, learn through inquiry, connect globally, use technology and real-world tools, and promote the courage and growth mindset necessary to change the world. Joe Erpelding, known simply as Mr. E to his students, is an exemplary school leader with a passion for connecting the dots and creating a student-powered school for kids. Be sure to connect with Mr. E on Twitter at Erpelding and visit the school website at design39campus.com. As the Reimagined Schools podcast continues to roll on, again, I want to thank all of our loyal listeners for making this one of the fastest growing education podcasts that are currently available. It's because of you that we've been able to share best practices and talk about how to create better schools for kids. I hope you enjoy this special conversation with Joe Erpelding as we talk about innovative ways to make your school even better. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Very excited to bring in a special guest today from out in California, the principal of the highly recognized Design 39 campus, Joe Erpelding. How are you, Joe? I really appreciate you having me on today. Thank you so much. I'm sure the weather in uh, California is much better than uh, Central Kentucky, so uh, you know, I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I could actually be there in your beautiful school today. Yeah, I had to put on a jacket today at 60 degrees, so sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, your school has received uh, national recognition as being one of, the, one of the nation's most innovative schools, and uh, you can check out the school at their website, design39campus.com. You can also follow Joe on Twitter at Erpelding, so you want to connect and check Check it out. There are a lot of great resources and as videos there on the Design 39 Campus website. But Joe, let's begin with you. How does one become the leader of such an innovative place? Oh, they took a pulse and they said, hey, you're the guy. Come on in. Um, just to be honest, I think it's really an honor. Uh, this is a, a public school. 
So I often have to say it's a public public school. Uh, we're the 39th school in the district. And uh, I was doing some, some work at a previous school in Poway Unified. And uh, it was really a little bit around just trying to reimagine what education could look like for kids. And uh, they tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I think you might have uh, what it takes to kind of not necessarily be a leader, but imagine what if and continue that conversation going. And so I had that opportunity and we had a pretty bold superintendent at the time that said, hey, let's change the way we do school, and change the way we do education. And so he made that as a kind of a mantra to all of us in the district. There was 38 schools at the time and uh, we kind of launched from there. And it's still a relatively new school. I think this is your fifth or sixth year. So probably still trying to find your way a little bit. I'm sure you have a lot of people come and visit or want to see what's going on. Uh, what does that process look like? And what are some of the most commonly asked questions you get? Yeah, so it's kind of pivoting off of the, the why work to now how. How do you actually make this work? And I think that's a, kind of a critical conversation. Uh, folks coming with teams now, uh, we probably have over 150 tours a year. And, uh, you know, what I've noticed is that when the onesie twosies come, they're really not in that transformational work quite yet. Uh, what we have now is teams coming uh, and then they're coming back a second time with larger teams to kind of discover what, what ideas they might be able to take away for their own ecosystem. It's not to recreate another Design 39 campus. It's to say, what might we be inspired with and how can we take that work to the work that we're doing? Um, and so it's really been great opportunity to open ourselves up for tours. Uh, to kind of be vulnerable, uh, because as you mentioned, Greg, there's been a lot of pain points getting to this space. And, uh, you know, being able to share those vulnerabilities with each other, I think is really critical. And there are a lot of different principles that kind of went into how you wanted to design the school. And I've heard you refer to uh, your campus as a uh, student powered school. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, a big piece for us is student agency. So having students work from their passions, not a deficit model, but really a strength-based model, uh, what it is that they're curious about. Um, you know, you've heard uh, Ken Robinson talk about, you know, schools killing creativity. So really around creating agency for students so that they own it. And a big piece of our work was around starting with competencies. And so that we all kind of had an agreement on what we believe, you know, a competent st student should have in knowledge, skills, and dispositions. We could talk a little bit more about that. But yet really trying to create these experience ships that we call them, deep dives, explorations, connected to that really solid uh, core curriculum where kids can kind of take on their ideations and expand on their wonderments. The thing that really resonates with me as I talk with you and I talk with design thinking experts, and I look at your website a little bit, is one thing that was important for your journey is changing the vocabulary and, and how you talk. You don't have classrooms. Uh, you have learning centers. Uh, teachers aren't teachers. They're LEDs for learning experience designers because they're there to light up the path for learning. Uh, you don't have a principal's office. You have a welcome center. So just how you've changed the language, uh, even not having a school, you have a campus. How has changing that that vocabulary really made a difference in how you reimagine what you're doing? Yeah, I think it really allows you to have a different paradigm in terms of where you're looking at the context of school. Um, so you think rows and desks and chairs. Yes, of course we have chairs and we have tables, but yet how do those function differently? There's not a front of the room. There's a learning experience that we want kids to engage in. I mean, 
just even entering into our campus, it doesn't say office hours, it says enter for a smile between this time, right? So the whole kind of feeling is like, wow, something different's happening here because the language has changed in a way that allows us to think differently. And so, um, like you mentioned, our learning experience designers, we, we really use the Simon Sinek model in everything that we do. So the why, how, what, so the learning is the why, you know, how is those uh, learning experiences and then designing them, right? So that design philosophy. So it allows us to have a conversation and do some storytelling and really get to that empathy uh, that's at the heart of design thinking. And that allows us to really um, be thoughtful about who are we designing for. And um, so, yeah, the intentionality around the language is really critical. One of the things we had to do as well is kind of line up our conversations because if we all have our local ecosystem language, our local language, um, and we don't have a way to kind of connect the dots with other uh, folks, it, it makes it kind of disorienting even further. So one of the things we wanna do is have some common language that we can all share like competencies and open walled and what does that mean, so. You know, I'm a big fan of the design thinking uh, mindset, and uh, I'm, as I learn more about it, uh, you know, the thing that pops into my mind is why ha hasn't every school in the country gravitated to a, to a more design thinking model? Why isn't it something that we're talking about more like, you know, project-based learning? Uh, is it just something that people have a hard time wrapping their head around, or is it all about the the how we understand the why but the actual the day-to-day -day application people are still having a hard time understanding what that looks like yeah i believe so for instance you know i've been in education for quite some time and uh one of the things that i didn't do as a teacher was design thinking and so i feel kind of irrelevant if i'm not teaching myself so i teach two classes a year uh, one of the classes is design thinking like for instance this recent one was with fourth and fifth graders on design thinking and laser cutters but, but the whole idea was designing for impact. Like what's the difference we're going to make? Um, not just because I'm gonna learn about you know, laser cutters, but who am, I, who am I designing for? And so kind of really getting in that space and understanding that design thinking can be used across the curricular areas. Um, it's not just industry or business, it's just around really understanding the whole like design of curriculum and how you would uh, kind of almost backward plan certain things based off of empathy and understanding where folks are coming from. So I think it just hasn't had that opportunity to get people to play with it. Um, and I think the D schools was one of our inspirations out of Stanford and they really helped us understand what that looks like. So design thinking happens all the way down in our transitional kindergarten. So our youngest learners are using design thinking and it's focused typically around an essential question so that we can all kind of have that connective tissue understand that we're not learning these um, desperate little ideas that there's this connection between curriculums and that interdisciplinary approach and design thinking helps us with that. And you have some wonderful videos on your website and uh, you know it, it shows teachers in the classroom kids in action in that problem-solving mode uh, and I, I just watched a video not too long ago on vertical learning that I thought was fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about that concept and what it's done for you? Yeah, there's actually really a lot of research out of that uh, about vertical learning. And so if you just kind of for imagine for a second, you take your uh, table that you're working on and you just turn it vertically. So how do you make the learning public and social? And so we did a little experimentation early on. Our tables, for instance, they actually flip and nest. So and everything is a whiteboard service for us because we want those resources to be right with the kids. 
So it was quite fascinating. What happened is I flipped the table. I went into a classroom. It was a math lesson. And right away, the kid, what she did is cover up her work. She actually wrapped her arms around the work and wasn't allowing others to see it. But within five minutes, she was having a conversation with her partner right next to her because the work became public and social. Um, and so that went on to our upper grades where they're actually using it in mathematics and humanities. And what it allows for is students to, to be up on their feet. They're standing, they're working in small pods, small teams. We randomly uh, generate them into uh, different groupings so they have different tasks. And it's around that collective consciousness of understanding of what uh, the work is so that they can learn from their peer. They can see real quickly, there's a facilitator, which is the teacher, the design uh, facilitator, and they can really quickly see what the, the, the misunderstandings might be in the, in the room. And then also allow for the students to really have that voice in terms of their knowledge. The time to task is much quicker because it's vertical. Uh, uh, versus if it's a chart paper, they're real hesitant to write it down. And it's very public. It's not just my work anymore. It's, it's, it's the collective work. How are we learning from each other? And as part of that vocabulary we talked about earlier, one of the words I've heard on some of your videos is the term ideate. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it comes, you know, it's out of that design process. So after you, you know, you empathize and then you're researching and you're defining the problem, it's time to ideate. And this is the piece that's very vulnerable and it's around culture too. So your culture has to be right. So often I say culture will eat your innovation or culture eat your strategy. You hear that in business. So if your culture is not in this place where we can put ideas on the table and the, and the idea no longer belongs to me, the idea belongs to the group. And then we can start to be really hard on the, the problem and soft on the people. And so what we really want to do is the idea ideation phase is to put a lot of ideas, just put them on sticky notes um, and where the most radical idea can be an inspiration for that actual idea that, that ultimately sticks. So we're looking for, uh, you know, that best way to say it is a, a big brainstorming session where then that you can then tune the product to uh, ultimately something that you can produce and launch. And so ideation is really a, a place of, thoughtful brainstorming and radical ideation. Yeah. Another thing that, that you do there at Design 39 Campus is you have parent workshops to kind of walk parents through what this learning process looks like, because obviously it's very, very different than what they experienced when they went to school, even ex uh, different than what your district experienced, you know, six years ago. So what is the value in doing those parent workshops? And, and I guess the second part of the question is, I can't imagine how difficult it would be to have 37,000 students in a school district. And I'm sure every K-8 student's family wants them to come to Design 39 campus. So there's probably a little bit of, uh, I, I don't know, competition, if you will, or, um, you know, hopes dashed that they don't have an opportunity to come to Design 39. But uh, I, I would imagine it's a good problem to have, but it's probably also a double-edged sword. Yes, thanks for asking about that. I think what's critical when you first talk about, you know, why parent workshops, the idea there is at our core, we're a learner-centered lab school. And as learner, learning as the center, that means all of us are learners, our students, parents, administration. Um, and that is critical because it can be quite disorienting. And so bringing our parents along this learning journey is really, really critical. 
And so having them come in and partner up with us and seeing how our, our, our students are interacting, allowing the students to have voice inside of that. Uh, there's so many great practices that happen outside of our school that we can steal from and, and riff off of, like student-led conferences and all those other kind of things that really make student agency come alive. And that's what we want is our parents to be learners with us. And um, we all think everyone's a teacher in our space. And so what can they teach us? We talk about superpowers and then that allows us to bring in our parents. And so we can have their superpowers come in, things that they're passionate about and bring those projects in that connect the dots for our, our students. So workshops is a way to one, engage culture of the community and also to leverage the resources that we have. Um, and that's our parents because, you know, uh, you could say that we don't have enough money, but we have beautiful resources in every single campus and that resources our parents. And so how do we bring them in? The piece around having, uh, being part of, you know, 37,000 public school district, you know, 39th school in the district. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a place of our evolution. It's been one of our pain points so that uh, we want to ensure that that we're a partner in this unified school district and an opportunity for, for folks to learn from us. And so our culture is evolving in PUSD where um, folks are coming in from inside the district to learn about what we're doing. Um, Cause it could be quite threatening uh, to see uh, how you've been operating for a certain number of years and that there might be a reality that's different than what you're currently doing that actually benefits students even more. And so we wanna create a space of safety for our um, folks within PUSD that allows them to feel that the work they're doing is, is, is great and what can they do next? So I call it the 10%. So what's your 10%? Because your 10% might be my 90 and super scary and we talk about fear a lot. And so fear is a great paralyzer. And so how do we create a safe space that allows us to be vulnerable and then ultimately to learn from each other? And, you know, I, I'm sure that the 38 other schools in the district are fantastic, have some amazing teachers doing some amazing things. But uh, I, I guess the thought that pops into my mind is with all the success you've had there uh, on your campus, are these other schools beginning to replicate or model some of the ideas that have been put in place there to kind of make for a more seamless transition as your students go to high school? Yeah, I think that's a great way where we started early on was our connection with our comprehensive high school, which is right across the street, literally um, 100 yards. And so that school, Del Norte High School, uh, has 2,600 kids. And so a lot of it is, is working with the current students. So change actually happens quicker because the students are asking for that change. Um, so we have the students come over with their like, girls in STEM who come and work with our students and find inspiration between the different pathways having teachers come over and uh, shadow or work with our STEM teachers so that we can be uh, an opportunity to see what's next. Because it is one of our parents' question, what's next for our kids? You know, because um, the comprehensive high school could be quite daunting, yet there's so many wonderful things that happen within there, like career in tech, uh, computer science, and those pathways that we have with Project Lead the Way, which is a science and engineering pathway that allows us to have access to kids multiple interests and uh, so we we are building those bridges it's uh, always slower than i would want yet i think uh <laughs> the, the the change that we need um has to happen because we're being audacious and we're not waiting for the future to be created so we have to create that future and i'm appreciative of the leadership that's that's allowing us to do that as you think about your building specifically your teachers and staff 
um, you know, take a few minutes just to brag a little bit about how good they are and, and what really gets you excited every day as you make classroom visits and see some amazing things going on with kids. Yeah, because I don't have a principal's office, as you mentioned, that means I, I have to go do something else which means go bug them in the classroom and so I get to see them every single day also because of the tours and uh, we hire differently and because we hire differently it, it, they feel like they won maybe American Idol or you know at the end of this thing and so you know the four-part process that we have allows us to really select some amazing teachers and one of the ways that we leverage this that is super unique that I'm finding because of the tours is every single morning we have collaboration time. It's non-student contact time from 7.45 to 8.45 in the morning. Every single day, every single person is in collaboration. The administration, the welcome center, the teachers, they work vertically and horizontally. And what we had to do is say, if we value that, then we also need to make sure we create conditions for that. That means there's no IEP meetings in that space. There's no parent meetings. There's no staff meetings. Um, and they have no duty. And so because of that, they're able to do this amazing like ideation uh, and design thinking and we have design studios uh, that they all uh, collaborate inside of that's just a fancy name for a space where they, they can uh, create these awesome learning experiences and when you see what they create it's just they're super excited they're like so excited to talk to everyone in the space the students come out they we can have 50 people walking into into a room and and they don't skip a beat and ask any student, we don't tune up students to be the, the, the tour guides, any kid in the room, we want you to be able to ask and say, hey, how's learning going for you? What are you excited about, what you're working on? And so that's where we know that we have the right people in the place because every student is finding success. And you know, I think about um, being a former superintendent and principal myself for many years, and if I would have had the opportunity to come and tour your school and meet you and talk with you a little bit, I mean, obviously I would have been blown away at what you're doing, but then the, the conversation would have quickly been redirected to how do I do this in my school in central Kentucky? I don't have the resources that you have. I don't have uh, some of the liberties that you may have in putting things together. But in reality, uh, my hope is you're going to tell me that a lot of these things can be applied not going to cost a lot of money. It's just a different mindset, a different approach. I appreciate that. It is really around mindset. And that's a critical piece of uh, the equation. For instance, um, when you think about uh, our just things that don't cost money, I really appreciate when you say that things that don't cost money, like we don't have bells. There's music that plays. Kids don't line up in lines. Well, what conditions do you have to create so kids are respectful and, and courteous? And so all these things that don't cost money, and it has to do with what your priority is. If I could tell just a quick story is, you know, I, I had a push from one of my uh, thought leaders that I connect with. And he said, hey, look up the word priorities. So I did. I look up the word priorities. And it actually didn't exist until the 1900s. The word actually began in 1500. It was called priority, singular, first. And then we go down this pathway of, you know, the Industrial Revolution, where Industrial Revolution, and it's all this, this work around priorities and multiple goals and all this kind of thing. And so I would ask, what's your first step when you kind of mention, and I did this with my staff about two months ago, I said, okay, write our, what is our goal in one sentence without using the word and. So what is our goal in one sentence without using the word and. And guess what? I got 45 different answers. They all were around, you know, thought leader and elevating humanity and, you know, life ready. So they're all within that 
space, yet we need to have one goal. And so what is your goal in your space that you're really trying to work for and have everybody in that heartbeat working towards that? What are the cultural conditions that you're creating to inspire energy, uh, to be audacious, to allow folks to ideate and put ideas on the table? And I think that's the piece that uh, where you need to start is, is what is our ultimate goal that we want for our kids? And oftentimes we leave one critical component out of this is, and that's our students. We don't ask them. And so ask your kids, what are they looking for? What do they need in an educational system? And where are we doing that well? And how can we double down on what we're doing right? And go from a strength-based model as well within your own culture as we would do with our kids. And I'm glad you said that. I couldn't agree more. But when you think about giving kids more choice in their learning and their day-to-day -day activity, uh, again, doing some research uh, on your school before our conversation today, I'm looking at your website, and I think I ran across a video about your physical education program, which is called Minds in Motion. And the kids actually get to design their own physical fitness. And that's something that's not going to cost a whole lot of money. It's just a completely different mindset. And I'm sure the kids are really excited about having those opportunities. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because we um, had to hire two new uh, staff members. And so instead of putting them right back into the system and say, go teach PE, right, physical education, let's design again, minds in motion. Let's reiterate this thing. So what did they do? Interviewed kids, interviewed parents, interviewed teachers, and had a two-day design session talking about what we want this program to look like. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the big word that kids said, we want it to be fun, right? And so ultimately, because they're engaged in the design and the lessons, and they get choice and voice and time in terms of how they promote wellness within themselves, and that they see that physical education is that, that idea of, of your whole body and, and your mind and your spirit working together. And so uh, they have opportunities uh, to, to choose different pathways for themselves. And right now, uh, with the new leadership team, uh, one of the things we've challenged them with is how do you have students design their own PE lessons? And ultimately, that's what they're going to be doing, is designing their own lessons, um, and where they have they realize that how tricky it is to be a teacher and have a little bit of empathy when you're trying to coach your peers through a different uh, task. So um, we're looking forward to seeing that happen again uh, with this new team. And it's part of our DNA where kids are teachers as well. And I know another huge part of the success you've had there is uh, the partnerships you have with, with other folks. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that has really kind of helped guide you and lead you to where you want to go? Yeah, one of the pain points we had early on was with technology. Um, we had technology fatigue, thinking that technology was going to be a way that we could um, leverage personalization for kids and actually siloed kids even more and disconnected our parents from the tasks that were happening inside the classrooms. And so we um, kind of let that go and went with a lot of paper and pencil on certain things. Um, and ultimately, that was painful as well. And so recently, we found a partner in alt school alt school comes out of the silicon valley and they started out as micro schools and so what we've done with them is look at our competencies and really around student agency uh, typically vendors are it's very um, adult centric uh, where the teachers push out content and the students just are receptacles of that and they just give an answer back so the alt school platform allows students to have really set goals um, to have playlists that allow them to kind of uh, get into the core content, and then ultimately show, we call it, it's through a stream that allows them to showcase what they're learning 
and with their parents and with their peers. And so really proud of this partnership that we're having with Alt School. It's pretty early in um, and specifically um, around our students with special needs. Um, what we're finding is our students with special needs now can at any point in time showcase their goal that they have inside of their IEP, their individualized education plan. And it's not just that the teacher is owning it inside the resource room, now they own their goal. And the platform and the partnership that we have with Alt School is really empowering our at-risk learners. Well, there are some amazing things happening uh, at the Design 39 campus. You want to check out their website, design39campus.com. Great videos. Uh, they have a great blog. A lot of student content there you will find as well, which I think is, is wonderful. You can also follow Joe on Twitter at Erpelding. Uh, so I, I can't thank you enough for being here. And I think you're doing some incredible things. If, if we wrap it up here real quick, if you could, if you have, uh, if there are people out there that want to come visit the Design 39 campus, how can they go about doing that and maybe leave us with a closing thought as to, uh, you know, what others can do in terms of rethinking uh, the design process to make their schools better? Yeah, uh, we're always open. The idea of, you know, you value what you do. If we really value this idea that education is a social justice issue, that we really want to make a change for all kids, we can't keep it to ourselves. So while we have the impact of 150 tours on our campus is, is significant, but it's significant in the right kind of way. It's about sharing ideas with each other. And so we're always going to be open to that. So if you just go on our website, you'll get um, a, a link right there. So tours, and you'll, you'll be connected with Mary, our amazing admin, who will be able to walk you through that. And the last piece is, you know, what, what to leave you with is that, you know, it's ultimately not around the number of uh, advanced placement courses the kids can take or the number, uh, are their GPA? It's really around, around what their impact's gonna be. And so what we're looking for is our kids to be life ready because no matter what comes their way, um, they're gonna be ready to tackle that, that they're thought leaders. Uh, we want our students to not just wait for the teacher to tell them, but they're going to put an idea out there and they're going to be courageous. And ultimately that they're going to provide impact, that they're going to make a difference in the world around them. And so we call that elevating humanity. So find a way that connects, you know, not just the information, but the heart. So how do we connect the heart of kids into the world that they're in? Well, again, folks, you've got to check this place out, doing some incredible things. Also, some great videos and articles on the Design 39 campus at the Edutopia website. So it is a model school for innovation in the country, and you certainly want to connect with the principal here, Joe Erpelding. So with that, folks, thanks again for always listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast. And always remember, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at drgreggoins.